0: All right, grab your Bibles with me if you will. Turn to the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. We're going to begin reading, reading in verse 13. We'll read about five verses and then uh, we'll pray and talk about it a little bit. Got some very important things to do today. James, chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. Guys, I didn't. I forgot to ask you. Do we have our app notes today? Anybody, Bueller? We don't know. Okay, we we're supposed to have them up and running. I apologize if you if you follow along on your app notes, check them and see them. If see if they're on there, but if not, you can follow on the screen. Okay, James chapter five verse thirteen. Are any of you suffering hardships? Anybody? Okay, just checking. You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. We're going to focus on this verse right here, but let's keep reading. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Everybody say great power. power. And produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. Just a man. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Where was Elijah about a month ago? (laughs) Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. We're going to pray today over a number of things, but literally as I read this verse right now, I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me to tell you that I want you to get ready because He's about to start making things grow in your life that He's been wanting to grow for a long time. And the places in your life that have not yielded a crop are going to yield a crop, meaning they're going to bear fruit or a harvest, they're going to produce in your life. I want you to get ready for that. I know we've been through a terrible time, but God's going to use it for His glory and to bless you in your life. Father, I thank You. Thank You for being here this morning. I thank You for showing up as we've come here to worship You. As these wonderful people have come together to lift up Your name, You have shown up in our midst. I feel You right now, God. I feel You here. I believe You want to speak to us. You want to open our hearts and You want to open our minds. You want to open our spirits to to be transformed by the power of your words. So do what only you can do today. Lord, anoint my mind and anoint anoint my words because I don't want to speak words, mere words of man's wisdom, but Father, lace them with the power of your Holy Spirit and the demonstration of your Son, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Interesting verses here. Interesting verses here. And Uh, We've been in this series, (laughs) well the storm hit and kind of interrupted us, Uh, but the series is going through the book of James, the letter that James wrote to uh, the churches and the people scattered abroad, to people who were trying to live out their faith in a world that was against them, in a world that didn't want them to live as Christians, in a world that didn't want them to live for Jesus, in a world that didn't want them to grow closer to God, but was trying to pull them apart. And so we've been addressing this question, how do we live for God in a a dark world? How do we live out our faith in a dark world? And James said, I want to teach you about a faith that works. And that's what we've been talking about. And I love, and and I'm skipping to the end because of the very important business that we have to, to do today, but consistent throughout his letter, he keeps bringing up this subject, when troubles come is remember how we started in week one? When troubles come, consider it pure joy. Change your mindset when troubles come. And then now here he is and he's ending his letters and he says, so are any of you suffering right now? And one more time, he is going to talk to us about changing our perspective and make sure that we are doing the right thing. Because What James knew is, not only will troubles come, but many of you are facing troubles right now. And you can live in response to the troubles, or you can determine how to live your life regardless of the troubles. So here's what he says. Are any of you suffering? You should pray. The the point here is, when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through troubled times, when you're going through Hurricane Harvey, when you're fighting with FEMA, When you are trying to go back to work, nobody's fighting with FEMA right now. (laughs) Somebody's like, I would. I can't even get them out to my house. Uh, But wherever you are, whatever you're going through, fighting with employers, fighting with employees, fighting with husbands and wives, whatever you are, if you're suffering, here's what James is saying. I want you to change your focus off of your problem, and when we pray, it puts our focus back on God. Because troubles and suffering in difficult times have a way of grabbing our intentions and instead of having our eyes focused on the one above, our eyes get down onto the problem. So James said, if you're going through difficult times, if you're suffering, if you're having problems, quit looking at the problems for just a moment and lift your eyes up to Jesus. Then he says this, is anybody happy? Anybody happy in the room today? Good. Here's what he says to you. You should sing praises. Well, that seems kind of obvious, but the reality is this. Difficulties and sufferings can get you distracted from God, the house of God, get your attention off of him. How many of you know that? But just as quickly, maybe even more quickly, success and good things in your life can get you focused on all that and get your eyes off of God. We start thinking it was because of me, it was because of something I did, Is because I'm so great and I'm so wonderful. And we look up and we have gotten disconnected from our relationship with God and we've got disconnected from our church and the house of God, not because bad things are happening in our life, but because so many wonderful things are happening in our lives. And so James is saying this, it doesn't matter which end of the, pers- uh, of, the, uh, of the scale that you're on. If you're going through difficult things, lift up your eyes to Jesus and pray. If, you're go- if everything is wonderful and you're happy right now, then you should lift up your eyes and sing praises so that no matter where we are in the middle, the focus is get off of what is going on in your life because you can go from suffering to praises and back to suffering in a moment. But as we've prayed and sung about today, the only thing that never changes is the one above. So so this is what James is ending this letter with. You guys are in different places here, and that's okay. But all of us need to get our attention back on God. Problems pulling our attention away. And good things pulling our attention away. Does it mean you shouldn't enjoy the good things in your life? Does it mean you shouldn't be happy? Absolutely not. It just means that you should lift up your eyes and make sure you're giving praise and glory to God because the things that are making you happy can change just like that. So we keep our attention on the never-changing one. Then he keeps going. I have notes in here somewhere. I should get, probably get to them. I love what he says, are any of you sick? Now again, what we have to do when we read this letter is we look at specifically what he's saying, and then secondly, we look at the bigger picture of what he's saying. All right. So specifically, he is saying, are you sick? Do you have a disease? Do you have an ailment? Do you have a wound? Do you you need healing of some kind in your body? But the big picture is here, are, are you in need of something from God? So, specifically, is your body sick? But big picture, do you need something? Do you need help from God? Here's what he says. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Now, I I am a firm believer and teacher. Uh, and, and you've been here long, you will know this, that, that I believe that you can pray. You can pray over your kids. You can pray over your spouse. You can lay hands on your own head and pray, and things will happen. Why? Because he goes on to say, the, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has power and produces wonderful results. That's you. But what he's also teaching here is, there are some times in our life when we need some backup. Backup. We ought to call for the elders of the church, call for the pastors of the church and say, hey man, I'm really going through it right now. And I'm trying to pray for myself, but I'm barely making it through or, or my faith doesn't seem to be enough. And so he says, call for the elders of the church and have them pray for you and anoint you and pray the prayer of faith and things are going to happen in your life. This is James giving us instructions. You say, well, Pastor Randon, why is it that you guys bring the people to the front the, the prayer partners to the front and then ask people to get out of their seat and come down there and pray. This is one of the bases of it right here in James chapter 5 because what we realize is there are some times in our life when we need some backup. We're going through the storm and a few days in, one of the difficulties about this storm uh, for, for, I know for me, but for so many people was the isolation of this storm. Being cut off from everywhere, uh, cut off from uh, cities, were cut off from each other. Not just us from Houston, but y- you know, Lumberton. I, uh, you know, so many of our wonderful Lumberton people. I-, I was feeling so much guilt because I couldn't get to you to check on you. I couldn't get you supplies, and then you wouldn't even tell me what you needed. So then I got mad at you again. I'm just confessing my sins to one another so we can be healed this morning. But the, the disconnect, the disconnect from our families in, in Orange and Vider and Bridge City, I couldn't even get to them. My, the disconnect with my family and our, and our churches in Houston. And so we're, we're fighting the storm, especially in the first few days. And this is the first storm, as many hurricanes as we've gone through, this is the first time that, that my father and I, as pastors, as uh, senior pastors of this church, have not gone through the storm together, but so disconnected. Uh, even though we were talking on the phone, you know, guys, there's just sometimes that the phone isn't quite enough, right? And when, when dad came, finally got into town and drove through miles and miles of high water to get here, um, well, first he overwhelmed me a little bit because he came all pumped up on energy and I'd had about five hours of sleep in four days. But once I got through that, it was the most strengthening thing for me just to know that I had some backup coming in. It wasn't that my team wasn't doing an amazing job. We were. We all needed our bishop to get in the building. Does does that make sense? And there are some times in our life when we're going through some things where we just need some backup. Could you do it on your own? Probably. Is it a whole lot faster and easier when you have some help? Absolutely. So James says, you're going through one of those times. Call for the elders of the church. I love what he says. He says, pray and if you put that verse back up for me, guys, the whole verse. Verse 14. So, so watch what he says here. I want them to pray over you. And then he says, I want you to do the second thing. I want you to anoint the I want them to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. These are two separate and distinctive things. Praying. Something we all do. We do it all the time. But then there's this second piece that he gives us, which is anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Interesting here. Every year we take our kids and we bring them to the front right before school starts and we say we're going to have an anointing service. That's not just praying over our students, but that's actually anointing them. It's something specific and it's something unique that we believe uh, is a biblical thing that we should do. But many people don't fully understand it. They don't know why. They think it's just a prayer. Now, and I don't mean to belittle prayer. I just mean that we have to understand that there's some distinction in what's going on here. So in a few minutes, and I know we didn't get to do this a month ago, I saw our sign, we were walking in, we were supposed to do it on October the 20, or August the 27th, and today's September the 24th, so we're a month late. But you'll have to forgive us if that's okay. Uh, it seems like most of our kids have gone back to school. I know my kids went back to this week. And I will just tell you this, I cannot think of any time in my entire life when our students needed prayer and anointing more than they do this year. Uh, My eighth grade daughter was announced on a Friday and started on a Monday that she was going to high school. She was not prepared. She was sitting here here right now. She got lost three times on her first day. That's just in her office aid class. She's supposed to be the one helping people, and she was lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I don't even know. I'm like, baby, your school ain't that big. She's like, I know, Dad, it's just confusing. You had a map. I know, but I can't read it. Okay. But suddenly, before it was her time, she shoved into classes with high schoolers and walking down the hall and with, with seniors and exposed to things that she shouldn't be exposed to yet. Uh, she needs the anointing of God. We, we've got, um, I have some friends that work for uh, LCM High School, and you may have heard of other schools doing this as well. But out of the seven campuses in their school district, five of them are completely flooded. So they're having to put seven campuses into two and a half campus. The other half campus, thank goodness, is a friend of mine's church. It's a Baptist church out there that has opened their doors and had the room so they could put some kindergartners in there. So that's a wonderful thing. But what they're having to do now is one set of kids comes in from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., and then they leave and then from 12 to 4 the next group of kids comes in so all of a sudden teachers are all they don't know what to do you, your room that you've had for 15 years now you're sharing with other teachers that you don't even really know and students are coming in you it's it just everything is a mess i think this year more than ever before we need prayer and anointing for our students and for our teachers and uh, so that's what we're going to do today But let's talk about what this means right here when he says anointing you with oil. Because if if it's so distinct, what does it actually mean? Well, in the New Testament, when they talk about anointing with oil, it actually has two separate purposes. It can be used for either one. And in this instance, you'll see that James is talking about both of them. Number one is this. Oil is medicinal oil is was good medicine It was some of the best medicine that they had available. They couldn't go down to Baptist Hospital and do the things that we can do. They couldn't pop a Tylenol. They they couldn't take a painkiller. They couldn't take all the things we take. So, what they had realized was, and they had learned over generations and generations and generations, was there were certain essential oils that you could put on your body in certain places that would have a healing nature to them. Now, I know we have a lot of ladies in this church that are into essential oils and and that's a wonderful thing my wife does the oils and she's always if I get stressed out she's like she don't even say anything she just brings one of those little tube things and sticks it like right under my nose I'm like what is this it's giving me a headache and she's like the headache means your body needs it and that is like eucalyptus lavender something or another and it's for stress I'm like I don't need this and she's like that's exactly my point just soak it up (laughs) And you, you put the one on your stomach when you got when you're, when you're sick at your stomach and you put it in your belly button and you rotate it in a counterclockwise deal and it's like I don't know if it smells so bad and you forget thinking about how sick you are or it just makes you better. I'm not really sure' it's still I, I'm still doing some testing on that. But the truth is this, oils have been used for generations, not just in America, not even just in the Jewish culture, but all around the world, they have been used for medicinal purposes. So here's what he's saying. He's saying the first thing is when you come in, call for the elders of the church and let them put some oil on you. It's representative here of you do what you can. You use whatever natural methods you have available to you. My great-grandparents were people of major faith. I mean, just, just crazy faith, sometimes hard for me to understand. And for most of their life, after they gave their life to Jesus, they were of the mindset and of the belief system that you should never go to a doctor and you should never take a, a, any type of medicine. And what's crazy was, they would go for years and never be sick because they would pray the prayer of faith and they would be healed just like that. But, but this is what James is saying. He's saying, if you have medicines available to you, don't let your faith calls you to refuse to use them. Because remember, there's two purposes to the oil. the first purpose is this. You do what you can. Don't, Don't sit idly by when options are available to you and we're asking God for something supernatural when there's something natural that can help us. This doesn't mean we track out on our own and we only do what we want to do, but he's just saying, principally, let's put some oils on you, let's do the best medicine we have possible, and let's try to help you do everything that man can do. Are you with me? But here's the second thing that it means. The the anointing of oil is the emblem of the Holy Spirit. So when James says, come and let the elders anoint you with oil, let them pray over you and anoint you with oil, he's saying, listen, there's two parts to this deal. On the one hand, it is you do everything that you can. Take the medicine, put the oil on you, uh, take the finance class, go to, go to premarital counseling, go to marital counseling, do whatever you can. But on the second half, he's like, I'm gonna, we're going to anoint you with oil. And in that, we're going to anoint you with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy spirit can do in you what you couldn't do on your own why do we anoint our kids to go back to school your kids are smart and they're intelligent and I believe they're going to do great they need to work as hard as they can they need to take care of their stuff and once they've taken care of their peace I believe that the holy spirit is going to come in over the top of them and take them further than they could have ever gone on their own are you with me we go as far as we can The Holy Spirit anoints us, and he takes us into places we couldn't do on our own. When you go to work, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're good at your job, you have creative ideas, you have leadership, you have skill sets, you have giftings, but then you you hit this place where that's all you can do. That shouldn't be the end of your story. Holy Spirit, anoint me. I've done all I can. I've taken all the medicine I can take. I've, I've learned. I've studied. Now anoint me and allow the Holy Spirit to just take you supernaturally further you, than you could ever go. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the resident presence and power of God on a person, a place, or a thing. It is tangible and it varies in nature and degree, but you can feel it. You can see it. You can taste it. When the anointing of God is on a person's life, it doesn't make sense how they're doing what they're doing. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit. So I I, I believe that it's the anointing of God that can make all the difference in the life, not just for our students, but for you. Pastor Renan, I'm not smart enough, and I'm not intelligent enough. You don't have to be. You need to be anointed. Do all you can and then ask God to anoint you. My kids play uh, high-level baseball and softball, as you know, and every time they go, we pray. And our prayer is this. In a nutshell, God, they've worked hard, they've they've practiced, they've learned, they're going to give it everything they have, help them to play to the best of their ability, but then anoint them to play beyond their ability. Well, God doesn't care about softball, probably not, but he cares about those. He cares about what they care about. Well, God doesn't care about my job, no, but he cares about you. And he wants to anoint you to do more than you could on your own. Are you out there this morning? All right, so what, what I love about God is he, he anoints people. He, he anoints people. We see this in the Old Testament. You see in Moses, you see it with Joshua, you see it with Elijah, you see the, them being anointed. If you'll remember when David was out uh, in the backside of the wilderness and he was tending to the sheep, Samuel called him in and his father Jesse called him in. And before he was ever king and ever capable of king, being king, he anointed him with oil. He poured the oil on his head. Da- David was being anointed. You can see it all through the Old Testament. But then we fast forward to the New Testament. And I love this verse, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus has just come out of the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days and nights. He walks into the temple and here's what he says, or the tabernacle and here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, I want you to note the word right there. The Spirit of the Lord is referring to the Holy Spirit, right? Any confusion there? It's capitalized. Spirit of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. But watch. He, being the Holy Spirit, has anointed me, being Jesus. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, that said... I'm about to do things that you've never seen before, but the way that I'm going to be able to do them is not through my humanity, but because the Holy Spirit, God Himself, is going to anoint me and rest Himself on me, and I'm going to do what? I'm going to bring the good news to the poor. I'm going to proclaim the captives to, to proclaim that the captives will be released, the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. He said, I'm going to do all these things, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come, I'm going to do them... Not through my humanity, but through the anointing that is resting on me. You see, Jesus had to come to the earth as a man, as a human. He had to be 100% man. And the Holy Spirit rested upon him and it unlocked the divinity in him. And he was able to do supernatural things. I always have this belief, you've heard me say it a bunch of times, if Jesus needed it, I need it. If, if it was important to Jesus, it's going to be important to me. If Jesus needed to be anointed by the Holy Spirit to, to live out His purpose and His calling, then I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live out my purpose and my calling. Watch this verse um, in Luke chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, I'm sorry. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing. All who were oppressed by the devil, the devil for God was with him. Now I want you to note here, um, the, the, Luke calls, or Peter's actually preaching here, and Luke references him, but he calls him Jesus of Nazareth. Why call him Jesus of Nazareth? Here's why. In the context of this, message that Peter is giving. He is talking to Gentiles and he is telling them how God shows no favoritism. So the same love of God that has been released upon the Jews, the same salvation that is released upon the Jews is being released upon the Gentiles. And it's not about where you came from, but it's about the God who loved you. He's showing no favoritism. Aren't you glad that, the, that it was the love of God, the salvation of God was released upon us Gentiles as well? So in the context of saying God shows no favoritism, he points to Jesus and he calls him Jesus of Nazareth. Now watch what he's showing here. Nazareth was not a really well thought of city. As a matter of fact, in one point in the scripture, they said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? It was not a good place. It was not, it, it was not the, 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 the main city that everyone wanted to be from, it was kind of shunned and you were thought of as less than if you came from Nazareth. It was the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. And so Peter specifically chooses this title out of all the titles he could have used for Jesus. In this moment, he calls him Jesus of Nazareth because he's saying, listen, as low of where he was and where he came from. And no one thinks anyone from Nazareth could be the Savior of the world or could do anything big. Despite all that, when the Holy Spirit anointed him with power, he went out and did things that are beyond our imagination and saved the world. But he started as Jesus from Nazareth. What's the point? Why am I showing you this first? Because I want you to know it doesn't matter where you started, what you don't have, the education you don't have, the school you graduated from or did gra- didn't graduate from, the education or the training or the parents or the environment or anything else, the Holy Spirit can take you from wherever you are and anoint you to do things you never thought you could have done on your own. <laughs> if, it, if it worked for Jesus, it'll work for you. Because he goes on, and, and, uh, and John writes to us in 1 John, and I may not be on my notes, guys, here. But you have an anointing one. But you have anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I, I'm afraid that many of us don't know the truth, though. But I want you to know when you leave here today, just like Jesus was anointed, you are anointed. You're anointed. You're anointed to accomplish your purpose in life. You're anointed to reach the dreams that he's placed in your heart. You're anointed to be a great father. You're anointed to be a great mother. You're anointed to be a great student. You're anointed to be, to to do big things. You're anointed to do things for the kingdom of God. You are anointed. Know the truth. God also anoints places. He anointed the, the the tabernacle or temple. Everything in it was holy, and the glory of God was tangible. It was the it was the headquarters uh, of it was God's headquarters on earth. I want to just throw this out there to you. We're planning on going to Israel next year. If any of you would like to come with us, I uh, hit us up about it. I'll try to get you some information. Uh, I know I was going to talk to you a long time ago about it, but. Again, hurricane, forgive me, but if you're interested in going to Israel, I want to go to the places where Jesus walked. I want to be where Jesus was, and I'd love to have you come with us. Let me keep moving this morning. Number four, God also anoints objects. He anoints objects. He would anoint things. You remember Moses' rod? When he threw it down, it became a serpent. You remember when he lifted his rod above the sea? The Red Sea opened up. And the Israelites were able to walk across on dry ground. Why? His, his rod carried with it anointing. It was anointed. Uh, Elijah's mantle. Elijah's mantle fell on Elisha. Both were, were two of the greatest prophets in all of the Old Testament. And when Elijah took his mantle, the mantle of his, of his mentor, and he was, was trying to cross the Jordan River, he just hit the river with the mantle of Elijah and suddenly the river parted and he walked across it just like Moses in the Red Sea. Why? Because the, the mantle carried the anointing of God. Objects can carry anointings. You see with Paul, the Bible teaches that his handkerchiefs and his apron carried the anointing of God. And when they would be used and just sent to touch a person, they would be healed. That isn't just crazy Christian stuff. You may have heard about it during the charismatic movement. That's stuff that was happening in the days of the Bible. Just his handkerchief would heal. How about this? The, the shadow of Peter carried so much anointing that it, when, it, when it would just pass by a person, they would rise up out of their beds and be healed. So they would line the street trying to find out where Peter was going just so that his shadow might cross them and they would be healed. That is some anointing. That isn't just the man, it's God anoints objects, he anoints objects. James chapter 5 verse 15, and I love this, and if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. I want to say this over our students today, over you today, whatever happened last year when we anoint you today, last year has gone. Pastor, I already got a bad reputation in my school, I've already got problems here and problems there, and I've, I've done so many things wrong it's over with it's forgiven today this year it's going to be a different kind of year for you confess your sins. yeah Thank you. Thank you. confess your sins to each other and pray uh, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results parents i want to encourage you to pray over your students pray over your kids every day pray over yourself before you go to work lay hands on your head driving down the road just begin to pray, whatever it takes. Maybe in, instead of waking them up the way we normally wake up our kids, maybe we should just begin by waking them up by placing your hand on them and just praying. Why? Because the earnest prayer, the prayer before you get so mad at them, you're trying to pray that God doesn't send you back to jail. Maybe we ought to pray an earnest prayer, God bless them today. Even while they sleep, let their spirit hear the words that I'm saying. Let something deep inside of them awaken. Let them awaken with a love for God and a love for people. Lord, I anoint their mind that they would learn today. They would grow today. They would be intelligent. They would make good grades. I anoint them with favor. Why don't we pray for them every day? Because your prayers have power and they will produce wonderful results. He said, Elijah was just a man elijah was the greatest of the prophets he said but even the greatest was just a man but when he prayed these kind of prayers when he was anointed by god things began to change i want to encourage you you may be just a man just a single mom just a grandparent But if you pray the prayer of faith, you pray believing in your heart, knowing that God has anointed you, things are going to change. Things are going to happen. Don't stop praying. Don't be afraid. You just keep praying.